Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, he flew and got an injection, uh, which was recommended by the doctors, and saying I was on board with it. Uh, he's back today uh, at the complex. Uh, everything went well, but now it's probably like three weeks Um of not throwing and letting the shot do the work before we can move forward with the plan. But uh, so right now, that's the update on the single. Is the hope that the PRP could accelerate the healing a little bit? Yes, uh, definitely. And that was uh, was recommended by the doctor uh, when they took uh, took a look at him. And uh, you know, and saying I was on board, so they decided we decided to go that route. So, so it would be three weeks from like today to shutdown, or three weeks including three weeks, uh, from the, the day he got the shot, which I think was. The, couple of days ago. Okay. Is there at least a, you know, comfort in having a, a better idea now of when you might be able to re-get get him back in here? Sure. You know, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it is, uh, but you never know, you know. You got to wait till, first of all, let the shot do the work, and then once he start ramping up, his throwing program will have a better idea how is he, is he bouncing back and all that. But for now, we just got to let it heal. Are you guys confident that after three weeks, that he will be able to proceed with that, or is it three weeks with a check-in and see what happens? Yeah, no, and it could be a, a check, check-in, you know, during those three weeks, you yeah. know. Uh, but the recommendation was three weeks, but again, it's flexible, it's fluid, you know. Uh, asking Senga how is, how is he feeling and, and all that, but first 10 days are pretty much like the key of the, the whole thing, but uh, yeah, like I said, we'll see where we are after those three weeks. I wouldn't say, obviously, it's amazing, obviously. <laughs> Kodai getting hurt is not amazing, and the situation is what it is. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to compete. You know, nothing's ever given. Still got to compete and, you know, earn, earn a spot. So, you know, I have to go out there and I have to perform, and obviously results are a big deal. So just, you know, just continue going out there and keep working. <laughs> It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, February the 25th, 2024. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on X at TalkingMetsNoG and on your favorite podcasting service, Apple, Spotify, whatever you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me at the newsletter, substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And of course, I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan-Sided Podcasting Network for supporting this show. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. Baseball is back. Spring training has started. The games are in the books. They may not mean anything, but the ceremonial start of the baseball season is here. And we've got a lot to talk about today. 
The first Thunderbolt of 2024, Kodai Senga. He has an injury. We'll get into that. And the starting rotation got a little bit interesting. The positional battles, it was tricky. But now it's even a little trickier. How will the Mets look at the fifth starter spot? Who has the inside track? We talked a little bit about this at Beyond the Mic. I'll get more into that. Francisco Lindor was on with John Heyman and Joel Sherman over at their New York Post podcast. It got me to thinking, is Lindor ready to take the next step now that he's firmly here in New York, comfortable and over the New York hump, so to speak? We'll talk about that. Mets for clicks. It's a thing, and it's going to be a thing all year. The Mets play well. They could change the narrative, but for now, Mets for clicks is a thing, and it's a business model, and you can't fall for it, so we'll talk about that. And we have another award. No, we already did the player of the year. We're not going to get into that. That's not until the winter, not till the end of the year. But we are going to talk about a spring training award that I did back in the day at the old NYBaseballDigest.com. I'm bringing it back. It's uh, named in uh, honor of a former Met. We'll get into that. But first, let's talk about the here and now spring training. A couple of games in. Had a chance to watch a little bit of the Mets uh, yesterday. Watched some highlights today. We got to see some of the kids. Acuna, Gilbert, Nate Lavender. We got to see some of the fifth starters compete. Jose Buto, Tyler McGill. And uh, away we go as spring training is here. And never before, I mean, it was always weird getting into spring. And the wins and losses never really seemed to match up. Bad teams used to win the Grapefruit League. Good teams would get off to bad starts. I remember, you know, the insanity of the George Steinbrenner era where the Yankees would get off to maybe not so great start in spring and already panic would set in. And never before, when you watch these games, you could clearly see... There are guys that are trying to win and compete and trying to get their work in, but still trying to compete and win a spot. And then there are guys just getting work in. Like the veterans clearly are getting work in. Like never before do I think games in the modern era of baseball. I mean, you, it's almost like they might as well be playing these simulated games on the backfield. So you can't take a lot away from results and, and spring training, but away we go. And as I said, the first thunderbolt of spring training has happened. That's Kodai Senga. With an injury, and it's actually a serious one, a, uh, a strain uh, capsule. And uh, Dr. Jesse Morse over at TwiX actually did a really good job outlining what a video, and I reposted that uh, uh, over uh, on Beyond the Mic. And uh, I'll actually give you his X handle because it was a great video. At Dr. Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Morse, M-O-R-S-E. Uh, and he predicted almost to a T, as you heard the news, that Singh is getting a PRP injection, that he feels he'll be out, you know, with no setbacks in about early May. Let's say mid to late May. Give it a couple extra weeks here for Senga. But this is a serious inj- injury. Before we get into the ramifications for the rotation, you know, one of the things about Senga when he was signed was the concern about his arm. I mean, there was actually some delays in his contract when Billy Epler was negotiating it because I think there is some language about Tommy John. I don't quite know what that's all about. It never was clear. But there is an opt-out in saying his contract. But one of the things that was off the bat positioned about saying is that there was some concern about his health, his arm. And one thing about Tommy John and elbow, a whole other thing with shoulders. 
capsule injuries, tearing a capsule like a Johan Santana did, uh, is is a death knell. You'll never be the same. Now, the good news is it's a strain. And like I said, if you go to Dr. Jesse Morse's X page, the video, he actually shows you with like one of those skeletons exactly what the strain is. The PRP injection should help with the... Uh, with the situation and create some stability for the shoulder, so to speak. And why this happened, I mean, to me, it's mechanics. I mean, that's what it is. It could be how quickly the Senga ramped up his offseason workout. I know he said he was working on some new pitches. It could be that. It's a myriad of things, but I think the real question the Mets have to ask themselves right now is here we are in year two of the Senga contract, and he's already showing signs of health issues. And I think one of the realities, and maybe it's a sobering reality, specifically for this year's club, which the rotation has a couple of question marks, mainly back-end rotation options, you know, some interesting kids. But this rotation is built with Senga playing the ace, even though maybe he's a number two or a high-end number three, playing the ace and giving you 30 starts. And the reality is, as you hear about this injury, is that Senga might be a guy that not only needs extended rest, that was part of the conversation about the six-man rotation and which of the starters could handle being a swing guy in and out of the bullpen, but can he be a guy that you could rely on for more than 140 to 150 innings and more than 22 to 25 starts? There's still value in a pitcher like that, but let's face it, you want that 22 to 25 starts to come at the end of the season mainly, and be available for the postseason and be able to pitch big when it counts. And you just don't know right now if Singh is a guy that could actually do that. And I think that's a fair question. So there's some early warning flags about managing expectations with Singh. I'm not saying Singh is going to be... It, it sounds like this injury is on the severity of when you hear posterior capsule and anything capsule and shoulder is, is more benign. Uh, I know Bob Nightingale, and we'll get into that later because he's a big Mets for Clicks guy, uh, You know, said there's more concern about Senga. Well, there should be. The concern shouldn't be about this injury per se and how long it'll keep him out. Why did this injury happen? And what's causing it? And mechanics at this point, there's not a heck of a lot you could do. The guy's about 30 years old. It's very hard to take a lifetime of muscle memory and mechanics and rebuild them and keep the same effectiveness for a pitcher. So that's the first big question. That's something that I think will come out more and more as the season goes on. As you know, we get closer to Singer returning, maybe there'll be some good reporting about that. Now, the battle for the rotation was about, you know, I felt all along Adrian Hauser was going to be the guy. I mean, he was, you know, he has the most resume for success. Uh, you know, he's a guy that could give you league average innings. Uh, you know, they acquired him from Milwaukee. I didn't think that he was going to be the guy they were going to put swinging in and out of the bullpen. He did do a little bit of that in his career. I thought the battle was going to come down to is uh, Lucchese, McGill, or Buto going to get that sixth spot? Would they keep a Phil Bickford in the bullpen? Are they willing to lose a Bickford with Fujinami, who, you know, apparently now is in Japan, attending to some personal business? Would he, would his options be kind of on the Syracuse shuttle? All those things are put on hold because right now, and the Mets are saying that they they still may, um, they still may 
uh, uses six-man rotation. Right now, the decision's a lot easier because it's going to come down to, I believe, and I know Max Kranich is in this equation, but I don't take his candidacy very seriously. He's a depth option. It'll come down to Lucchese versus McGill versus Buto. Now, McGill and Buto had their part. They pitched pretty well. You know, McGill struggled early with some of his command, and I think that's going to be the key because I think he's the front runner in all this, and he's the guy the Mets want to see because he has the most upside come out of this whole thing. Casey's that crafty veteran, that crafty lefty that, you know, maybe could go out there and, and I think profiles really as a league average guy. Can he consistently get into at least the sixth inning? That's been an issue. And Buto is this guy that, you know, throughout his minor league career has had some promise but has never really shown it in the numbers. And he started to pitch well in September. And I keep going back to September. And again, I know you're not supposed to trust what you already see in March and September, especially September when you're out of the race. But the Mets rotation was a top five in baseball in September with guys like Lucchese, McGill, and Buto in it. So these are now depth pieces. I had said the Mets could go about 13 deep when you start to add in Peterson later in the year, Mike Vazel, Dom Hamill, Christian Scott. I know Stearns was on the broadcast today talking about how he's not going to allow what the big league club needs to impact the development of players. Some people on X took that as them trying to suppress service time. Other people like me took it like they're going to look at the development of player and they're going to make sure that player is attended to for their development, not rushed because the big league club needs another starter. So I think this Mets team with the way that Stearns has built depth and where some of their kids are starting to uh, be nearly major league ready is in a better spot to handle pitching injuries than maybe the team even just as recently as last year. Uh, the bad news is is that it's the best pitcher on the staff that had the injury happened to. You'd much rather it be your collection of league average guys. But I think ultimately McGill will take this this uh, this spot. I think this is a huge spring for McGill. You heard in the clips on the way in, he's taking it seriously. He knows he has to perform. McGill has to realize, and to a certain degree later this summer, David Peterson, they are at a point in their careers where either they're going to solidify themselves on a big league roster and become who they are, whether that's a swingman, league average, you know, maybe something a little bit more, or they're going to start to get on that 4A shuttle to Syracuse or some other minor league city, you know, if they're still with the Mets. And I think that's where eventually you have to look in the mirror and say, you know, this is my opportunity. Ironically, McGill two years ago, when the Grom went down with a shoulder issue in spring training in 2022, was the beneficiary, came out guns a-blazing in the first month of the season, pitching not nearly DeGrom-like, but not too far off from top of the rotation. I think he had something like a 1.93 ERA, throwing 100 miles an hour, you know, throwing a you know part of a no-hitter when the Mets had that combined no-hitter against the Phillies. And, you know, we know injuries got to him and he declined and he was basically persona non grata the rest of the year there. Uh, and he also had, you know, his, when he first came up, surprisingly so, when he came up in 2021 when the Mets had some injuries, he was very good then too. So he's had spurts where he's really pitched like a top of the rotation type guy, even though he's only had two pitches. Now he's added his American spork, he says. He's looked at Senga. It's a splitter. The key is this. If McGill could throw strikes, locate his pitches, and getting to, and he said this, this is common sense, this is anything, you don't have to get come here for this analysis, I'm just kind of tying this all up in a bow, but if McGill could get ahead, it will allow him to use his changeup, his slider, 
his you know splitter or spork, whatever he wants to call it, as an out pitch to get hitters out. If he falls behind, like he did in the first inning in his first start yesterday, you're going to see him struggle and get, and get hit. I mean, big leaguers, when the count is 2-0 and McGill's on the mound, they know a fastball is going to be coming. And even if he throws 95, 96 or more, these are big league hitters. They're going to hit it. So I think McGill is the dark horse that, uh, you know, McGill is the favorite. The dark horse might be Buto. You saw Buto today. You know, if he could keep the walks down, uh, you know, he, he seems to be open to being the guy that could come in and out of the bullpen. You know, maybe, you know, Fujinami, if he doesn't get enough time in the spring, maybe they keep him down for a couple of weeks in April to continue his spring training since he got a late start and Buto makes the team. The one guy that I think ultimately is interesting is Lucchese because Lucchese is a veteran. He's a guy that's got some experience. I think he's pitched really well when he got was given the opportunity. He's lefty. He's crafty. I think that fits into the rotation a little bit. Really, all these guys this year, because they have options, are going to get a chance to pitch, I believe. The question will be who solidifies themselves and you know, is it possible that one outplays the other two or two outplays the other one where one of these guys doesn't really get a shot and the Mets either have to trade them or, or use them in some other manner. You never want to get rid of your depth, but at some point, Joey Lucchese, who's you know still has options, deserves a chance to actually get a shot here in the big league. So the Mets have a numbers problem. Even without Senga, it makes the decision coming out of spring a little bit easier, but the injury to Senga is a, a problem. So uh, the first Thunderbolt here, as I said in... Um, you know, prior shows, I don't think there's a tremendous amount of positional battles here. You know, maybe the Mets look to trade a Narvaez and, re- and do some salary relief and keep Nito. We'll see how that goes. You know, DJ Stewart in the DH spot there. Um, you know, but ultimately, unless Brett Beatty or Mark Vientos flops in a big way, and you know, I think the roster's pretty much set uh, unless there's a big trade. And, and this whole situation with Senga you know, essentially is now creating an opportunity mainly for McGill. McGill's the guy that you want to see win this because if he takes the bull by the horn, pitches in best case scenario how you've seen him pitch in that brief time in 2021 and during the beginning of the 2022 season, you know, he could be a guy that could, you know, pitch like a number three. Could he be a guy like how Steven Match used to be, which maybe overall because he has a couple of stinkers, his numbers look like a back end of the rotation starter, but he, any in any given night, Matt's could give you top of the rotation performance. Can that be McGill? Um, McGill using this as an opportunity to take the bull by the horn and push himself into the next tier of his career arc would be the best case scenario for the Mets. It's at the expense of a Senga injury, and that's unfortunate. But you know, sometimes out of these crises come. Uh, you know, some kind of good, you know, that's an optimistic way of looking at it. There's also the possibility of signing Jordan Montgomery. Now, Cody Bellinger signed a pillow contract with the Cubs. Looks like the, you know, one of the Boris clients finally blinked and said, hey, you know, enough, you know, I want to get paid here. And he got these opt-outs. It was three years, $80 million. I know that David Stern said they're only going to spend for the right players. It seems like Montgomery's just not that guy. But as it gets deeper and deeper into the spring, depending on how McGill, how Lucchese, how Budo performs, I still don't know why the Mets wouldn't be opportunistic with Montgomery. He's not going to cost you a draft pick like a Snell. Uh, he, he, you know, possibly could only go for a one-year deal. Maybe he wants to put himself back out in a different market next year. It'll be interesting. There is no indication that Montgomery is anywhere near somebody that, 
they're close to even negotiating with, but they talked about being opportunistic, and this would fall into opportunistic. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I still don't believe that the Mets would completely rule it out, even though there's no news that indicates anything has changed uh, over the last you know two or three days. But the big question that the Mets have here is why is Senga experiencing this kind of injury? What did he do? What was it in his routine? Is it the miles on the arm? Is it the mechanics? This is not the last time you're going to hear about Senga needing some maintenance on the injury front. I really believe as good as he was last year and he exceeded my expectations and I was the biggest Senga critic I wanted them to keep Chris Bassett. I felt they, they didn't keep Chris Bassett because of Senga. I thought that was a bad move for a team that was in a win-now mode. They could have really used Bassett. I know I was correct on that. But Singa exceeded all expectations. was just as good, if not better than Bassett uh, after that rocky start the first month. But now if you've got a guy that needs the space in terms of rest, can only do 22 to 25 starts, maybe spending some time yearly on the injured list because of maintenance like this, you really don't have an ace. You really don't have. You have a very good pitcher that can provide you top of the rotation performances, but is only available in a short uh, stint. And you have to make sure that that stint is during the right 22 to 25 starts, or else you could have a guy that is constantly um, leaving you short at the worst possible time. But pitching depth helps, and the Mets have that. So you're seeing the first example of the importance of what Stearns has tried to do here. And the first example by why it's so important to develop your own players. Because you cannot buy on the free agent market 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 deep. You just can't. You can't do it. It's impossible. So, All right. So that's our first little grapefruit roundup here. A couple of days into actual games of spring training. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Francisco Lindor was on with John Heyman and Joel Sherman. He even talked about the possibility of 40-40. I think Lindor is poised to take the next step. We've talked about this over at the newsletter, Beyond the Mic, how good Lindor has been, even though it hasn't felt that way since he came to the Mets in 2021. So let's talk about Lindor, his importance to the team, and is 2024 the next step as Lindor, who, believe it or not, compares well with another Hall of Fame shortstop that played in this town statistically. We'll talk about that. And more right after this.